0: Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. We got Coach Ray with us, coming off his meat from this past weekend. Congratulations, you killed it, bro. Thank Way you. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was fun, man. It was fun. I uh, forgot how much I actually enjoy competing what were the weights that you hit on all three lifts then
1: uh my squat was 601.8 my bench press was 425 and a half and my deadlift was 656.8
0: very nice Gosh, man i gotta be honest, i think neil and i were both shocked you came in you weighed in at 193 that's the lightest i've been in like a decade <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like for a long time yeah yeah i i got me out when you Listed when you answered because I think it was Marcel asked you what your weight was I think or somebody on social media asked oh, you yeah. and when you put your weight in I was like what <laughs> I had I was like get the f- out of here yeah, it's like not- no way it was interesting
1: to, to cut down that low it, it, was, it was it was a little, was, little tough
2: what was the process that week like what did you have to Man. do
1: so so my shit started on Sunday so yeah. I basically started by drinking two gallons of water per day. And then once I got to Wednesday, I drank about two and a half to three gallons. Going to the bathroom every, I swear to God, dude, 20 minutes. Jeez. Every 20 minutes. It pissed me off. But when I woke up on Thursday morning, I was 197 and a half. Okay. And so Damn. basically what I did from there is I went to pick up all my gear, mm-hmm. walked on the treadmill for an hour to so sweat a little bit. My weight got down to like 195. And then from there, I dehydrated a slight bit more, but I didn't do much with it. So I basically went down to 193 doing some sauna work, mm-hmm. a little bit of sauna work. And then I had electrolytes a little bit just to kind of give my body what it needed because I had that room to like get a little something in. Mm-hmm. That's all that was. And so when I went away in, yeah, I woke 193 when I weighed in that morning.
2: Dominated that weight class.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I got, I think I got lucky, man. I was fortunate with my process of refeeding, mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. If I didn't refeed correctly, <clears throat> I was basically drinking electrolytes all damn day. The first meal I had was a big ass meal. I actually posted it on my story. it was basically a gigantic four egg omelet
2: okay.
0: and
1: a big ass plate of hash browns. Like nice. that was my first meal. And then after that, had a slice of cake, first time in like three months. Oh, Had a cake, a little bit of protein, and then I ate again, had it like about a pound and a half of barbecue like around five or six, and that was into a competition.
0: How long did you have between lifts? So kind of
1: hard to say because they were going through the flights pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? So basically the lifting started at nine. Oh. We were leaving by four. Okay. So oh, okay. And yeah. all the flights were pretty full. So for flight A that had, I think it was 13 lifters, sorry, fifteen. I believe it was 15 lifters, to go through three attempts that took roughly about 25 to 30 minutes. Oh, damn. So once one was done, the next one. done. They weren't wasting any time. time. Anytime, yeah, nope. they were on it. And actually, it just I think the schedule was perfect. They gave us a little bit of time in between each event. Okay. So it wasn't like you squat, then you immediately go on the bench. Yeah, yeah. But with how the flights and everything were organized, people had plenty of time to kind of rest,
2: eat a little bit, chill out before their next event. Between between lifts, like what was your mindset? Like what did you do? Honestly, man,
1: I was focused. It's just nobody was there. Nobody. Existed to me, it felt like a day. It's like a regular day in the gym mm-hmm. in the terms of you know what I was feeling. But I will say the very first lift, I, my heart was pounding.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was, yeah. That was the first
1: yeah, time, the first you know, first time. eight yeah. years. So yeah. shaking a little bit. I was pent up. I was like mm-hmm. kind of anxious, you know what I mean? So going into it from there was it was a cakewalk. I just needed to get that first lift out of the mm-hmm. way. Once I got mm-hmm. it done, I was good to go. But my mindset was just focusing on. Queuing, making sure, you know, I'm bracing super hard, kind of going through my own checklist. Mm-hmm. And then once I got under the bar, I didn't think about anything. The mm-hmm. only thing I thought about was, basically, brace as
0: hard as you can, go for it. Nice. And that was it. Deal. Clear the mechanism. Yeah. Which is hard to do
2: for some people.
0: Yeah. Sure. Any, it really is. Any
2: kind of competition, mm-hmm. right?
0: You want to try to block everything out, mm-hmm. but it, it it's hard for some people to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was, it
1: was tough. And, like, I, I did find that I wasn't nervous going into it, I was hella excited. I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, like, it's about the yeah. time. Let's see if the training and the hard work that I put in paid off did, but I wasn't, I was never at any point scared Yeah, mm-hmm. during the meet. Nor was I nervous about how my body felt. Everything actually felt really, really good that day. I don't believe there's anything I could have did to perform any better than I did. That's
2: awesome. Well, and you made it injury free. Yes. That That's was the like yeah. the
1: biggest goal, man. Like The only one that actually had me the only lift that actually had me like that I put a lot more focus into was actually deadlifts. Mm -hmm. That was it in terms of like my setup, but everything else it was just everything felt natural.
0: And your deadlift was three times your body weight. Yes. So that was freaking amazing that was great. That was (laughs) Yeah, I was I was really happy with my deadlift. I was really happy with it. Uh it looked real good. Well it's kind of funny because Neil and I when when I saw the video, well the one you posted I was like, oh, come on, bro. You you could have gotten 675, but you said you Holy you did 676, you didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm going to post that video. Now, which lift was that on the 676? That was my very last deadlift attempt. That was the third one. That was the third one. Okay, so the 656 was your second? Yes. Oh, so you did quite a significant jump between them, the
1: two of them. Okay. I did. So my starting deadlift, originally I put it at 630. Okay. I walked in that morning, I was like, hmm be a little bit more reserved about this, so I went to 617. Oh, okay. And 617 felt easy, yeah. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make a bigger jump, yeah. And okay, so waste any time, yeah. So yeah, that's when I jumped to 656. That felt pretty good, I think, in my heart of hearts. If I would have done a couple pounds less, like a like a kilo less, yeah, like 674, I think I would have got it,
0: yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. i so crazy
2: how it's just that it's just two pounds, right? Just two pounds, takes, right?
1: That's, that's all it all takes. takes, yeah. But I think I would have been able to wrestle with it a little bit more, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I wasn't willing to wrestle with the 676. And honestly, out of all the lifts in the competition, I'd say I was most proud of that lift, Mm, to be completely honest. And it sounds weird to say, the thing that I'm most proud of is that I didn't try to grind it out. Mm -hmm. And I knew at the point, like my body was like, yeah, we're out of here. We're
0: yeah. done. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I stopped. So <clears throat> not worth it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, it to me that was like my, my most proud lift of the entire competition, but I'm happy with how everything else went.
0: Yeah, because the risk to reward there wasn't worth it. Right? No. So but, it's not like if you're, let's say, you were in a situation where it was, let's say, an international meet, mm-hmm. and let's say. You, it was the difference when you get a hundred thousand dollars or not. That's a significant way different motivation, right? Yes, that's yes. vastly different. In yeah. that case, you're like, okay, you're gonna challenge it, right? We'd go for it, yeah. But in that case, it wasn't worth it.
1: And yeah, it was, it was first competition mm-hmm. back. I didn't want to leave the competition feeling salty about it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. like or being upset with myself at any for anything I did in the competition mm-hmm. and during the prep. So. The fact that I came out of the competition, came out of the prep, everything felt good. I'm just, honestly, I'm I'm happy with exactly how exactly everything went.
0: Yeah, you said you were still pretty sore. I mean, okay. the next Sunday, even today on Monday. Yeah. My nervous system is shot to shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Definitely still got some fatigue. Like my body's sore, my core sore, my back is sore. Like everything feels sore, but it's not that kind of soreness where you're like, Hating life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well at
2: one rep max, I mean, it's not something that you do Mm-mm. on a regular basis, or you shouldn't do on a regular basis. Yeah.
1: I may be doing
0: one rep max once a year. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe.
2: I can't even remember the last time I tried oh, to one no. rep
0: max. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's not working. Yeah, it's not, no, it's it. not working yeah. of
1: the time. I like three rep maxes or five rep maxes, but one mm-hmm. rep max, that's for if I'm feeling hella good that day. Yeah,
2: exactly. yeah, yeah. So was the the first rep of each lift basically like, just get something on the board, make <laughs> sure you complete this thing?
1: Yeah. i kept it really reserved for my mm-hmm. first attempts. Basically what was around 85% um, of my one rep. Okay. So I wanted to be really kind of conservative there yeah. and make sure I was comfortable with the weight. Mm-hmm. But that was also for me like a way to kind of tell how my nervous system was doing for that day. Mm-hmm. So five fifty one my first squat felt like shit. I know I'm in for a long haul. Yeah. Dry, yeah. Man. Yeah. But my first squat felt like a warm up, to be honest with you. Because all my jumps were actually big in the competition. Mm-hmm. So I went from 551 to 573 on my second attempt. That felt really good. Mm-hmm. and So I was like, okay, I can like be conservative or I can make a little bit of a bigger jump, mm-hmm. beat out my old mm-hmm. squat. That's when I made the jump from 573 to 601 and
0: surprisingly went pretty good.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So now what's your plan going forward? Are you going to try to see how much more of a ceiling you can hit? Yeah. So
1: my goal for the competition was I was originally chasing 1700. Okay. I missed the mark, but- it's fine. So I'm going to compete again. I probably won't be competing again this year. I think I'm just going to take a little bit of time, mm-hmm. scale it back, just kind of focus on areas that I feel like need improvement, mm-hmm. and then go into competing <clears> next year. But my approach will be similar, but not the same.
2: Do you want to go at the same weight class? Yeah. Okay. So
1: I'm going to stick around the same weight class. My weight's typically around 205-ish, so yeah, I'm no. really not that far off. So to do a water cut, doesn't. Yeah. it's not that hard. It's not. Really yeah, you're not, yeah. So it's not that far off. So I'll stay in the 90 kilos. If I do move up, it wouldn't be planned. It would just be like, all right, this is what I got for this
2: now. Was was that the first time you've had to do like a big weight cut and then, you know, refeed and then try to do something that's high performance? Because, you know, like if it's the first time you do it, you don't really know how your body's going to truly respond. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So I did a water cut the last competition I was at, Mm -hmm. but my water cut wasn't as big. Where in the last competition I did, to give context, I was also fatter. Oh, to God, be honest, God, God. so I had more water weight on me or I had more mm-hmm. ability to lose more water weight. Okay. So that water that water cut was extremely extremely easy. Super quick. Wasn't really a challenge. Before I got it to this water cut, I did some research, make sure I was doing it properly, mm-hmm. make sure I had my proportions mm-hmm. right. The biggest concern was the refeed. Absolutely was a refeed. And so make sure I had a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of carbohydrates actually, got a lot of proteins in had a shit ton of fluids, a lot of electrolytes. I must have had like 15 grams of salt that day oh, just yeah. to make sure I, refilled. I was refeeding enough. Mm-hmm. And so I always had like something going. But that refeed is what my my biggest concern was. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Neil and I were chatting last week about performance ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I think we hear that all the time in terms of athletics and athletes that so-and-so has a low floor and a really high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Scouts are always kind of referring to that as far as when they're looking to draft a player or bring a player on. What is the ceiling potential for this? And and that's something that we kind of we were thinking about. Do, do athletes really achieve their ceiling, right? Is it something that you can put a number on, so to speak, right? I think that's tough to say. It's kind mm-hmm. of tough to say because mm-hmm. powerlifting is a –
1: a sport where you can kind of slowly incrementally uh-huh. kind of work up but yeah, i would say there's probably absolutely a ceiling it's just more so the matter of time
0: and process that you take to get
1: there right yeah it's, 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 it's mostly time i would say if anything else
0: so your next competition then you're going to definitely try to get the 1700 that you were looking to get this time around
1: i'm confident i'll get 1700 the next one i'm actually going to switch my deadlift to sumo next competition. just Are you? Just yeah. for shits and giggles. Yeah. Okay. Because I did conventional. Yeah. This competition, I just yeah. wanted to stick to conventional and just focus on that. Now that I've kind of done it, I'm like, okay, I want to see how I perform doing a sumo deadlift because classically for me, at least, my sumo deadlifts are a little, are actually better okay. than my conventional for my proportions and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. Like. So like the best I ever did on a sumo was 660 for four reps. I've, yeah. I've yeah. Done that
2: yeah. on a, a convention.
1: conventional the most I ever got on conventional was 700 for a single. So I mm-hmm. think switching my deadlift style might bow to be a little bit more advantageous for me. So I'm going to try that on the next one.
0: Yeah, because the sumo, number one, less distance to travel. But yes. you have that nice wide base, and that's what that sumo, I think, really adds. You know, conventional, you have a narrower base of support. So you have, in reality, less stability in relation to the lever of the bar, right? Yes. So when you get that sumo, that gives you much more stability through the entire system. Yes. I think a lot of people think of the sumo more from a, a distance traveled, mm-hmm. but I look at a sumo as more of, okay, you got the, the lever, and where's your foot position and hip position in relation to the lever of the bar. Yes. And that's the difference maker for me, not the distance traveled. Absolutely.
2: It seems like if you have pretty wide hips too, yeah. sumo is a little bit better. Like for someone that's maybe a little narrower, but has super long arms, that's maybe then they need to go conventional. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, th- I think people try to force sumo because a lot of the best lifters do sumo. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the most, just some, like some of the strongest people in their weight class tend to do sumo, with the exception of like Russell Ori or guys like that. But- People don't really pay attention to what their, you know, anatomical structures are, mm-hmm. the proportion for femur length. Some people will see like guys like Dan Green who goes like super wide on the sumo. Yeah. But the thing is, Dan Green's also flexible and mobile as for yeah. somebody his size. Mm-hmm. And so people don't really know exactly what range to work in. So like it's like when you're doing sumo, it's it's a lot of tinkering. Because yeah. I used to go super exactly. wide. But then I was like, ah, my hips don't feel good. So when I went more, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, this is a little bit better. For
0: me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, what's his name? Just did a thousand, what, twenty five or fifty something like that in the sumo. He just did it this past weekend when, or the weekend it? before. I forget his name, but he just did a thousand twenty five. And I thought, I mean, to th- pick pick a thousand pounds up off the ground is just It's ridiculous. ridiculous. It's, ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you know. And I think what's interesting is. Even in that sumo position, some people make comments. Okay, well, you know, you did it sumo versus conventional, but it's still a thousand pounds. Exactly, it's still a thousand pounds. It's like, right? Unless you're gonna go pick up a thousand <laughs> pounds just go up and sit down somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. it's still a thousand pounds. Exactly. The dude put his hands around a bar and lifted it off the ground. Holy you can't shit. Take a shit! Against that, it's like when people do partial reps, right? Yeah, and, you know, and they're like, oh, okay, well, it's a partial rep. Okay, if the dude or the female is still holding three, four times their body weight. I don't give a shit. Yeah. That's impressive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. When you're talking about the ability to lift three to four times your body weight, that's strong as
1: yeah. there. Yeah. That's where you got to respect it. It was interesting because I was seeing like a lot of de- different deadlift styles even at the competition. Oh, did you? Like, okay. People were doing conventional. Half people were doing sumo. It's just you find whatever you feel strongest. In.
0: Yeah. Because I think instinctively, well, instinctively, as you tinker around with your positions, you're going to find that sweet spot. Yes. And that sweet spot is where you is what we I think we're all after when we're doing this type of stuff, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: We so your body understands itself, your brain knows what's going on. So when you find it, then that's what you stick with because that's your thing. Absolutely.
2: Well, I bet your sumo would look your posturing would look closer to your squat too. It does. Yeah, it
1: does because it's it the way I. I do some. I was like, my stance width isn't super wide, mm-hmm. but when I actually pull the slack out of the bar, my positioning's pretty upright. Pretty upright. Yeah. That's why I think the advent, the advantages nice. will come in for me is this that my positioning's going to be a lot better, and I'm not traveling as long. Yeah, in terms of bar path. But the fact I can get more leg drive, more quad drive mm-hmm. out of it is like a, it's a game changer for me.
0: So. I know as athletes, you know, athletes want to see what their ceiling is. Now, let's talk about that in regards to the general population, right? I think the vast majority of people don't even give a shit about finding out what their ceiling is.
1: No. No. No,
0: of course not. Which is kind of a shame.
1: Yeah.
0: Because think about how much untapped potential every human has. Yes. And for me, it's like the lack of desire to even want to kind of see Mm -hmm. what your ceiling is is disappointing for me. Yeah, when I see that in people.
1: Yeah, if, especially if you see somebody, if you're working with somebody, and like you could see like they got some tool, right? Yeah. They're pretty strong with this, or they're good at this. Like I want to see where they can get to, but like that's the thing that does suck is like we want it for them, so it's yes. just like, you know,
2: it's like damn, yes, man, I know
1: you can kick ass, I know you can do good. They're it. like, ah, are we looking for that?
2: Well, because ultimately, you know, humans are just trying to be efficient.
1: Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely.
0: Very much You're so.
2: Like, oh, I don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm good right here. Yeah. you know, there there isn't really anything in our in the modern lifestyle anymore where you yeah. have to push yourself that hard. That's true. Yeah, I um, mean so the comforts you have to of, chase yeah. that thing. You know. Yeah,
0: That's the right creature comforts right. that we have now are you know is just it's too convenient, mm-hmm. so we don't need to. I mean, foraging and and hunting, hunting is just going to the grocery store and going to Costco and looking. Yeah. For that piece of meat that attracts you eyeball wise. I mean, that's, that's our hunting right oh, now, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's it. We don't even have any concept of what it is to actually go out for eight, 10 miles mm-hmm. looking for a food source, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's we get annoyed if we got to go 15 minutes to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: we really do. Like, and then that's wait, line. Yeah. And then that's wait in line, <laughs> right?
0: It's, it's true, right? I mean, we have it really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just bottom line.
1: Was was it? We're in a day of of great comfort and excess. Mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. everything's comfortable, it's quick, and everything's in an excess. So it's like it's it's tough for the average person to go. There's a challenge, and I want to go at it. Mm-hmm. I think the average person goes like, ah, there's a challenge. Not sure how I want to approach that or even even if I want to approach it. People are complacent. Mm-hmm. We're complacent creatures.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. As a whole, mm-hmm. as a whole. I mean, I think we still look at things. I think most people like to see other pe- other humans achieving phenomenal things or extraordinary things. Absolutely. But even at the rudimentary element of that thing that we see somebody do, we, most people don't even want to try to see, even at the basic level, what it's like to experience that. Yeah. Right? Like, we see people slacklining between hot air balloons, right? Mm-hmm. But, yet most people won't even try a slack line, an indoor slack line that's only two feet off the floor. Right. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. We don't need to be slack line between two hot air balloons, but shit, give a slack line a try that's just two feet off the floor. See what it's like. Yes. Right. But even at that rudimentary level, most people are like, I don't even want to do that. So here's a question, actually. Mm-hmm. Do
1: you think the average person, if we're in a day and age and a time where we welcome challenges more as society, as, mm-hmm. as humans... Do you think that you'd have a lot more people that are a lot stronger and in better positions? Or do you think we'd still kind of fall subsequent to our habits now?
2: I think overall, people would be stronger. I mean, you're still going to have those outliers. People yeah, more, of course. No and yeah. I mean, it's going to be at least half. Yes. Or maybe a little less than half. I mean, now it's got to be like the majority 75% of people, mm-hmm. at least.
0: Well, I mean, remember the the story, you know, when the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, right? And they established that community. Mm-hmm. You know, what was Captain Smith, what he say? He said, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. So, obviously, he said that for a reason. Because, obviously, even in that time, when you knew you had to work for your shit, there were still people in that group that didn't want to work yes right so it's like you said there's there's always going to be that sector that that fragmentation that is like eh, i don't want to do anything Mm -hmm. but yeah i think if we lived in an era or a time where physical accomplishments were really revered so to speak and and gave you a higher status then yeah i think you would see a, a lot different society yeah yeah, we'd see a society that was much stronger and mm-hmm. and more physically capable and resilient and not so fragile. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I think in today's society, especially, in, well, more in industrialized countries, mm-hmm. I think we got way too much fragility yeah. and not enough resiliency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just physical, but emotional and mental, too.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like I mentioned, like, when I was in a competition, like, my focus was this. Mm-hmm. It was a stare. Like, I mm-hmm. was pinpointing. I don't think that's a special, like, talent. I don't think that's something necessarily special. Uh-huh. But I think the difference comes with, you know, different individuals. is like, uh-huh. who's who's able to, first of all, hone in on that focus? Uh-huh. And how long can that focus actually last? Because uh-huh. nowadays, focus lasts for, what, 15 seconds? Yeah. yeah maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe it's right? Like, everything's so fast, everything's so quick. <laughs> even videos on social media is like, if you're not seeing the shit in 10 seconds, I'm on to the next one. Yeah. So it's like everything's so much faster. I don't think the average person knows how to focus for any meaningful amount of time.
2: Well, I think what you were talking about earlier about how you felt like you were just in the gym. Yeah. Right? So I don't think a lot of people have the same focus and intent when they go lift. Like when you go lift, it's practice for you. <laughs> That's your – it's like your time of meditation. Yeah. So all you did was do the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or someone that may go lift, maybe go train for this thing. Maybe they don't put themselves in that same mindset mm-hmm. and practice that mindset day in and day out. So they go into the competition and they revert back to their practice. Cause that's usually what happens when you get really nervous yeah. or anxious. You revert back to what you do mm-hmm. in your training, and your practice. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not, they don't have this competition mindset or have this intent when they're training. Yeah. So they can't really tap into it. Yeah, Absolutely. Almost
0: like that killer instinct.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And when we think
2: of athletes, we
0: you can always kind of tell when somebody has a killer instinct versus, uh, eh, they're a little shy of that, mm-hmm. right? It's that old adage of it ain't worth winning if you can't win big, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of that. But that's where you see it, right? Mm-hmm. you see it in coaches, too, when some coaches complain about having the score run up on them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, for me, it's kind of like, well, then don't let it happen. Yeah. No. Don't bitch about it mm-hmm. if, if once the once the individuals or the teams are out on the field or out on the pitch, shit happens yeah and if you don't want to get your score run up, yeah then prepare better yes find better talent whatever it is but mm-hmm. you that's on you that's not on the other team it's yeah. not on the other individual. they're just doing what doing what they practice to do right and if they have a killer instinct and you don't well then that's a massive difference
2: yes. Yeah. Well, it's crazy too. Is that the professional level of anything? Let's just say the NBA. Mm-hmm. Every guy there has a killer instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, everyone to get there, you need to have it because they yes, completely yes. dominated their, minor their entire. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that the top guys have even more. Like they just they just want it more and more and more and more.
0: Right. Yeah. It's that. It's that Jordan, Kobe killer instinct, mm-hmm. and then everybody else's killer instinct is just below that.
2: But yes. their killer instinct is still like ridiculous compared to the normal college athlete
1: yeah oh yeah because the hunger never went away yeah if anything the hunger grew over time yeah and i think that's what makes that's that's the difference it's kind of that complacency thing right mm-hmm. you have the hunger but once you're fed is it enough or do you have hunger to do more to do better to get right stronger, mm-hmm. yeah in the cases so I, with those kind of athletes it's so admirable to see that kind of thing because they're they're the epitome of it's just not enough yeah. I can I can do better I can get better I can improve on this I need to hone in and find ways to do
0: that. yeah I think it's when we look at somebody like Tom Brady, I think that's what keeps bringing them back mm-hmm. you know seven rings is great but Tom wants an eighth yes yeah you get greedy right mm-hmm. and, and others athletes are like I've had one or I've gotten two okay I'm good yeah like I've reached the pinnacle mm-hmm. I've reached the top but then others they read that pinnacle and they want to continue to see how often they can reach that pinnacle. Yes. It's the same thing as finding your ceiling. Yeah. right. You don't
1: know unless you actually try. So those are the people who keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And then they actually may, they may hit that point or they may not. And then it's like, you know what? I did what I could.
0: Yeah. yeah. I gave them all. Well, because, I mean, finding your ceiling, you're running that fine line of getting injured. Because oh. it's going to, I mean, you can't find your ceiling without walking that precipice. Yeah right? There's always a risk associated. Yeah. Every time for everything. For everything. Yes. So it's just up to you whether or not you're willing to take that risk. Mm -hmm. And, but that's what makes people the elite in whatever they do, whether it's physical or in the boardroom Mm -hmm. or whatever it is in your practice, your office, it's the ability to look at a risk and say, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yes. And yes, is the Possibility of failure strong, of course. But if you don't take that risk, you'll never be at the elite level. Yeah, yeah. because that's what it takes, and being okay with failing. That's a, sure. I think that's like
1: such a yeah monumental thing. There's people who are have a phobia of it, where it's just like no, like if you fail, that's not a bad thing. That's not really even a failure. You just found what you can do at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Then from there is game time. Then is can you improve on that?
0: Yeah, the failure comes if you if you do it again. Yes. And you did the same shit. Mm-hmm. That's failure. Yes. But if you fail at something, then is if you step back and think about, okay, what did I do, and what do I do differently next time? Yes. Right. So that way you don't repeat those same things that got you to that point of failure to begin with, right? Yes. So then it's sitting back and going, okay, let me re-engineer what I did, reevaluate and make some changes, whether it be significant or subtle, or maybe even just a subtle change
2: that you need to make.
1: Yeah, but those subtle changes can make a huge difference.
0: Big time, yeah. big time.
2: Well, the other thing, too, about chasing becoming elite is sacrifice, mm. right? So you people have to think about time like, okay, to become elite, like this is, yeah, I need to put this much into it. Yeah. But now I can't do all these other things I may want to do.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's the big, so when we talk about the general population and just avid work, you know, avid people that like to work out um, all the time and they're always chasing maxes, whether it's strength or cardio or whatever. So for them, you know they want to become elite in their own in their own way, mm-hmm. right? They're not professionals. But how much time can you know, can you really devote without diminishing everything else you do?
0: Yeah. From a professional standpoint, we always hear the athletes to say I missed out on my family, right? I missed out mm-hmm. on watching my kids grow up and blah 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 blah. But in a general population setting, there are still people to do that. Totally,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And not just working at the gym, but work in their career, right? Mm-hmm. They yes. want to be so elite and so top of their game that, yeah, they you do have to make a sacrifice. And then it's the thing of, okay, are you willing to accept the consequences of making those sacrifices? Yes. You know, and so – and you have to be good with it. Mm-hmm. I think mean, that's – it's when you do it and you're not good with the consequences, then don't do that. Yeah. Right? But if you're willing to accept it and say, okay, if I am a workaholic, so to speak, yeah. in, my, in the boardroom or at my office – that's going to come with consequences. I'm going to miss my kid's piano recital. I'm going to miss this and that. Yeah. Well, yeah, 20 years down the road, your kids hate you, right? Yeah, they're bitter, resentful. You may be top notch in your field, but you have a you have kids that they don't even know who you are. Yeah, right. But for some people, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, we see it, right? Yeah. We we see that some people are willing to make those sacrifices, and and it's okay. At the time, they may regret it later. Right. So that's. That's a right? big aspect
1: right there yeah. is how you feel over time, but also like people actually don't sometimes don't even know what they're sacrificing.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's like, right.
1: Which is so weird because that, that, but that's what happens when you have tunnel vision. When, you, when you're hyper-focused, mm-hmm. sacrifices don't really exist in that realm. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, this is what I want to get to. This is the only thing that matters. And then they go for it. And then later it's like, yeah, well, again, your kids don't like you. They want to spend time with you or maybe- you know, you made the sacrifice of doing something and you got hurt because maybe that sacrifice was much greater than you thought it was at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So understanding, recognizes recognizing those sacrifices makes a huge difference because I think
0: that's where the average person goes, eh, ah, not a sacrifice a little bit too much for
2: me. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: It helps, too, if your support structure around you understands that, too. Yes. So that's a big assistance there, too, mm-hmm. so that if you are that type of personality – And you're doing something like that if your support system around you if the people around you also understand and they're good with it that's a big help it's when your the people around you don't understand what you're trying to do and they just are like yeah that's when you can kind of run into real problems right absolutely you know because as you're training then leanne's you know leanne's supporting you in the way you train right yeah and so she's your support system but she understands what you're trying to accomplish yes by the way, big shout out to Lan for helping
1: me. Because, yeah. <laughs> and cause I mean, like, especially for, and I think they're like a few times, because for the last week for prepping for the competition, I was like, hey, mm-hmm. could just make sure I don't do some stupid shit, right? Like, when I went to dehydrate, she went with it. Okay. Just to make sure, like, like I'm just going to keep an eye on you, make sure nothing goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when we went, like, she was there with me the whole way. So it's the support system definitely does matter when you're going towards a goal. Mm-hmm. I think. People get more discouraged when they don't have anybody in their corner going.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know. we all need that support system. So yeah, the more people around you that can that understand what you're trying to achieve, the the better. I think the easier it's going to be to achieve those things. Absolutely, that's a Absolutely. big thing. That's a big thing. We kind of joked about earlier off camera about the little meme, and this kind of gets into that whole ceiling thing in a different way. But the meme that they show a guy that's <clears throat> kind of yoked out. But it says, you know, you teach a man to lift, and they'll lift occasionally. But teach give a man body dysmorphia, and he'll train all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think we were joking about it, but it's true. Yeah. There's okay. so much truth to that. I know the first time I saw that meme, I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I put myself right in there. Oh, yeah. In high school and college, mm-hmm. that was me. Like what's, I was like, what's the average person's, like, average gym-goer's goal? I want to
1: get as big. And as shredded as I can possibly get, right? Or as strong as I can possibly get, or whatever, that comes partially because, much as people want to admit it or not, and I'm also guilty of this mm-hmm. to a degree, is that comes from body dysmorphia. Yeah. Like it's just like there's never enough. Even when people are like, yeah, man, you're looking good, you look great. There's like, yeah, but I can do better. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can yeah. Or you know what I'm saying? Like, and that feeds into that mentality, and it's so negative. People don't really realize how detrimental that is to your mental health.
0: Oh, so, very like, much. So, yeah, very much so. And then we see as a, as a result of that, we see the eating disorders and, and really emotional issues that come with that. Mm-hmm. But I know of me as a kid, like, you know, high school, college. Yeah. Like for me, I was no matter how many people were like, dude, you're just, oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're as wide as you are tall. And for me, it just wasn't enough. Right. Yes. You know, like I'm five, three. I've got short humorous, short femurs. I can't physically put as much mass on as I thought I could. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you you know, I would look at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, my, I can get my arms bigger. Mm-hmm. And people like, I don't know how much bigger you can't put your f- shirts on.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> my, you know, like my dress shirts, I had to have custom made, right? Because you can't just go to the store because they don't make shirts for mm-hmm. people my dimensions, right? Yeah. Especially with, the hypertrophy that was taking place. So it was kind of like, but in my mind, I kept thinking every time I looked in the mirror, I'm like, oh, my arms are still small. My arms mm. are still small. Yes.
1: I don't think people realize when you're actually pretty big or pretty built and you're not built like the average person, it sucks finding clothes. It, absolutely, it, it, it sucks. Yeah. Like I don't fit in the normal jeans. I don't fit in the normal tuxes. When I get fitted for tuxes, the proportions are off because I just don't have that same like kind of shape. You don't need to get as big has a person you see mm-hmm. and i think that's where the problem comes in too is that we as people see social media and we see like these huge guys that are just like oh my god these dudes are like jacked or strong or whatever and then the next person goes like i want to get like that and then you also have people that are going by my program you're going to yeah. get like me yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah.
1: it's a false promise to be mm-hmm. honest this just, is just a false promise yeah so instead of working out and destroying your quality of life, trying to reach something that maybe you won't achieve, maybe you won't get there, maybe you will. Instead, look at ways to make working out improve your quality of life, make you feel better about yourself. Because that's what it is. We all want to feel good about ourselves. You're never going to feel good about yourself if you have body dysmorphia. That's never going to happen.
0: No, it's not, you know, and that's the thing. But that's the thing with body dysmorphia is the fact that you envision yourself Completely different than the out than the rest of the world envisions you yes. or sees you as. If you're suffering from body dysmorphia, <clears throat> yeah, you you need to number one admit that you you are suffering from that, mm. and number two seek professional help to 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 bust out of that because it's not going to put you in a good place. Mm. You know, not just mentally but physically, it can create a lot of issues. Yes
2: well i think the same thing can go into the performance sets yes right yes like for me like i would just i would chase it man mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. time so you just you'd want to do more i do more 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 but it was to the point where it was detrimental but oh, i would also yeah. same thing dude when i was trying to go go at it for golf yeah I, i'd sacrifice all kinds of stuff and i would just spend tons of time mm-hmm. practicing if i was practicing i was training and then you start kind of cutting people out of your life yeah. like not intentionally right but just, right. it's just a
0: side effect yes yeah. it comes with it comes with that yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: so just realizing that and you go you know what I probably didn't have to do all that right you know, as I got older I'm like I could have gotten the same thing or better having more balance in my life still have a big emphasis mm-hmm. on this because that's what I want to do but it put you just you you put too much uh importance in it mm-hmm. so it puts too much pressure on you mm-hmm. and then that's it and then you just kind of become that even yeah. though like you're not your activity,
1: right? So I actually here's a question for you: When you both were at that point where you're chasing that performance, or you're chasing that size, or whatever the case is, where were you mentally at that point in time? Were you happy? Were you content? Were you satisfied with the way your life was? Was or or was it this kind of pit of emptiness that you were just trying to fill with that with chasing that performance or chasing that?
0: Whatever. Well, I think for me, I mean, it was 19, 20 years of age. Mm-hmm. So at that age, I mean, do you even know what happiness is or content? You know, yeah. do you know what con- con- being content is, right? Mm-hmm. Because at nineteen twenty, I mean, and even today, you know, you get people at the age of 50, 60 years of age who are still trying to find themselves in a way right yeah ages are relevant to finding happiness and content mm-hmm. i think is i think people have that misconception of saying oh the older i get the more content i'll be not necessarily mm-hmm. no well i still see people that are 60 years of age that are still kind of trying to figure out who they are what they are mm-hmm. you know what they should be doing type of thing so yeah at 1920 it's really hard to figure out okay i am happy with who i am and i don't think there's a 1920 year older out there That's complete, Mm -hmm. completely happy with who they are, what, where they are in life. But for me, I think physically is where I put most of my demands Mm -hmm. school-wise and everything. I wasn't really, I didn't stress out about that. Right. It's like, I knew I was smart. I knew I had intelligence, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't really. And for me, it was like, I figured I want coming out of high school I was like, okay, I want to be is in my career and what I'm going to do for my life by the time I'm 30. I didn't put that pressure on myself, like, oh, I need to be at the tw- age of 21, 22 in the workforce in my career, like, because I had seen enough people around me that weren't already that were already in their careers mm-hmm. and miserable. Yeah. Right? So I didn't want to be in that miserable pit early. Yeah. Like, you know. So. And luckily I haven't been because doing what we do is what I love. Right. Yeah. So I've, I at least have that going too. So, but yeah, 1920, yeah, it was more just physically. I wasn't happy with where I could have been right. Or mm-hmm. where I thought I could be, but everything else I, I was perfect. I think I was in a good state of mind with, I got a question to ask that. Yeah. I,
2: mean, I a, You know, like my family, my friends, I had good relationships. I'd say that I would I probably tied too much, uh, of like your emotions with how you performed, mm-hmm. right? So if I didn't play well, obviously you're, you're upset. Yeah. But it would, I would go, all right, I need to go, I need to go work harder, do this, mm-hmm. do this. So then it would just, it would carry over. I guess, so yeah, you you just get too caught up in it. Yeah. At that point, but I didn't necessarily, I don't know, but I was pretty young too, so I was like 21. Okay. By the time I was pretty much like, all right, 22, but when I decided like, all right, I'm not, I'm done with golf. I'm going to get into something else. And I've, I've exhausted everything I could, mm-hmm. not quite there, you know, and it's going to take a whole lot more and possibly, you know, even with that whole lot more, I may not have made it. And so at that point I realized like, this isn't going to make me happy to have in this lifestyle. Yeah. So I need to do something different. Okay. That makes sense.
1: And so my follow-up question is your feelings of negativity at the time. Mm-hmm do you feel like that fed into that cycle of always trying to kind of chase it in the sense of you didn't feel like where you were at was good
0: enough, so that negativity fed into you putting more effort into it? Oh, yeah. That, dragon, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, always chasing the dragon. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, that was the reason why I was doing two-a-day workouts mm-hmm. was because of that, right? You know, it was the whole, well, oh, I have – one workout's good, two a day must be fantastic, yeah, right? You yeah. know, and in college, I was work, I was in Pittsburgh, right outside of Pittsburgh, and so I was going to Powerhouse Gym, was okay. my was my yeah. gym of choice, right? So, and the guys that, at that gym, there were some pretty big dudes in there. We had Mister Pennsylvania, Anthony Munoz's cousin, worked out there. Okay. So, and this guy Gary, who was a competitive powerlifter, specializing in bench, this dude was just. Oh, my God, 600-pound bench, like like nothing. And for his size, you would never, like, yeah. just really broad-chested, just boom. Uh, Barrel-chested, I should say, just crushing bench, right? Yeah. So these are the guys I'm working out with, right? So, of course, me who thinking, okay, I'm not big enough, yeah. working out with these other dudes, and I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm envisioning.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Never mind these guys are 5'10", 6'4", 6'3", I'm 5'3". three. Mm-hmm. Like, it just is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, but it its that in a, it was that inability at the time to just realize physically who I was. Yeah. And who I am. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, it did feed into that. And it was the whole thing, of, okay, go work out in the morning, put my hour, hour and a half in, and then go back in the afternoon, put another hour, hour and a half in. Mm-hmm. And to look back and go, Fuck, I wasn't even getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy part about it. Yeah. And there was nothing monetarily that was ever going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. I wasn't willing to do the PEDs to maybe get on stage. But even then, we know that there's not much money in that either.
1: No, not after you
0: add up the cost. Not (laughs) after you add up the cost. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are you really winning? Right. Mm -hmm. What do you, from, you know, you may win a, a trophy, but the monetary value isn't there. Right. So really, what are you doing? So, well, yeah, I, it did for me. It fed me big time. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. You know, I think specifically with performance, right. The the negative feelings you get from losing, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's positive though. Right. Because it pushes you yes. to work harder. I think where you get caught up is where like looking back now, the young, I wasn't working hard at the right things. Right. So spending too much time on the wrong things. And I put all my effort into the, mm. the physical. Yeah. Right. But not enough into the, maybe to the mental side of things. Mm-hmm. Well, now, like if I go out there, and play I don't practice anymore. I don't play anymore, Yeah. but I'm free out there. I don't care. Yes. And I, yeah. you know, and every now and then I'll go out there and I'll still shoot a, a score that I might've shot in college mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't practice at all, mm-hmm. but having that mindset now where I'm more carefree. Cause I've experienced more life mm-hmm. and realize like, Hey, this is a game yeah you know this really doesn't have that much of importance Mm -hmm. you know in the grand scheme of things if i could have had that back then yeah maybe it could have been different who knows yeah um but i do think that the negativity can be used in a positive way right for sure yeah as long as it's like you have you have a good strategy behind it
1: yeah I feel like that's always a big question when it comes to performance and stuff mm-hmm. like that is at least what I notice. I perform better when I don't have a negative association with what it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Climbing, for example, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. to climb. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like, oh, man, I need to go after this. Like, it's cool to progress and it's cool to see if I get better or not. Mm-hmm. And I feel like hella good when I accomplish something. But at the same time, it doesn't impact my enjoyment of what it is. Yeah. So I feel like most people who tend to do pretty good at whatever extracurricular or professional activity, they probably enjoy the process mm-hmm. and they have the right amount of like that negative to positive kind of feedback mm-hmm. or the right ratio I should say for them to perform well and still kind of have fun with it.
2: Yeah, because to be good at something, man, you have to be obsessed with it. Yeah. Well, you do. Absolutely. You do. Absolutely. You have to. That weird obsession. Yeah.
0: There has to be. I mean, when I pra when I played billiards competitively, it was a full time job. Yeah. So I worked my full-time job, and then I shot billiards well over 40 hours a week. It was an obsession to the fact, to the point of, I would literally wake up and realize I just dreamt about scenarios (laughs) on a billiard table. (laughs) I mean, that is up. Yes. But I could clearly remember I would be dreaming about, here's a scenario, here's a layout on a billiard table, what do I do? And I could literally dream about what I would do where I would need to hit the cue ball, where I would need to hit the target ball, what kind of leave I was leaving leaving after. And then I wake up and I'm like, did I just dream about billiards? (laughs) Holy shit balls, right? That's crazy. But that's the obsession that you're talking about, right? That is it. Mm -hmm. But that's the obsession that I had when I got into really playing billiards Mm -hmm. with a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to going when I first went, it was just shit to do, right? Yeah. yeah, Buddy Jeremy's all I look, you're going to learn to play this game i'm gonna teach you how to play it okay cool and then once he taught me how to play the game started playing the game then it became an obsession yeah it wasn't just something i just wasted my time with mm-hmm. but then i just flipped that switch and yeah it became a big obsession
2: yes yeah you just need to be able to go like okay i'm obsessed with it for this amount of time yeah. and then right when you're out of it do your own thing do i mean yeah. just be who you are yeah. you just said
1: the key right, right?
2: there. that's it had to key. be who yeah. you are
1: yeah, yeah. I think people lose sight of that. Of that, what, who am I outside of this thing? People get so hyper focused on for like, sure, I, like I am my sport to a degree, or I am my activity,
2: uh-huh. or, or your profession, know. right? Yeah, or being a trainer,
1: yeah, and like that's what we had
2: that identify as, yeah. but it's
1: just like, is that you, or is it a byproduct of who you
2: are mm-hmm.
1: and something that you enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. So, as long as if it's, a, it's just a byproduct of things that you enjoy, I think people tend to do better, or at least stay in it for longer. Mm-hmm. As opposed to someone who's like super obsessed and they just, nothing else exists. There's exactly. just, it's just that bubble oh, yeah. and like, there's nothing out here. It's just yep. all black.
2: Yeah, for sure. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> and it,
1: it's kind of,
0: it kind of sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> it uh, sucks. like when you go like, like we get that when we're watching people move, right? Yeah. Like you can't, I've gotten better at it the last few years of turning it off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was a long time where I couldn't turn that off, right? But, uh, yeah, the last few years, I had much better. What I just, like, I've been able to click, turn that off. Mm-hmm. If somebody's walking in front of me, I don't go, oh, my God, and you know, obsess, well, this is what I see taking place, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, I was finally able to get away from that because, to be honest with you, it kind of drove me nuts mm-hmm. in the fact yeah. that I couldn't shut it off. Yes. And I'm like, I'm not at work. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. I just need to just be me, and I don't want to – if I'm sitting at the airport, I don't want to be staring – watching people going, well, fuck, duh, 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 this and this. Oh, I see this and this and that. Mm-hmm. No. like I just want to be at the airport waiting to get on my plane. Just relax, yeah. right? And don't obsess about that stuff. But it's hard.
1: Did it take you a long time to come around to that?
0: Yeah, yeah. it did. It did, yeah. I mean, we – you know, well, I know when we used to travel, we'd be yeah. like, hey, look at that person. Look at this person. You, know, like, you live you, it. You live yeah. it. Yeah. You live it, right? Because I think – I think in some respects, you're trying to also stay on top of your game. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I think in some ways, you are trying to stay on top of your game. And not that I'm not doing it now. It's just I don't need to do it all the damn time.
2: Yeah. Yes. I and mean, you don't have to then judge other people while right? you're right. To do Yeah, I think that's the other two, right?
0: Because you're trying to kind of say, okay, what is that person doing to yeah. get to that position? Why are they? Why have they allowed that to take place? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's be honest, people don't know why they allowed it to take place. Yeah, I think mean, that's yes. the thing. We, that's true. I think mean, we, there's like they did this to themselves. They knew better. No, they didn't. No, they had no idea.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's why you, you learn that when you're working with clients because you're like, oh, blah blah blah. You start explaining stuff to them and they're like, oh, and, you know, they're like, I had no idea. Yeah, you know what you know. You they know. just don't know what you oh, know. Oh, they're just living life. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And so they know I'm living life. I'm doing stuff. And now here are some consequences as a result of what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here, let's try to figure out how to reverse that, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, when you can't shut it off, I think there's that party that says they should have known better. Mm-hmm. And yes. they don't know better because, like you said, you don't know what you don't know.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I don't like the term corrective exercise. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. it's like you're yeah.
2: trying to – all right, we're trying to correct, correct, correct instead of like, hey, why don't we just help them move better?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Just yeah. just to help them get stronger, more efficient. Mm -hmm. right
0: and give them some awareness of what's taking place throughout their day yeah because if we can give them that awareness then we hopefully they can go and take some steps to counteract that stuff because they just didn't know before Mm -hmm. so if you say hey take 10 minutes and do this every day Mm -hmm. okay cool right and give them a low expectation say just 10 minutes Mm -hmm. because most people will be like okay i can do 10 minutes yeah right not one hour where people are automatically going to shut off yeah. because they're like, one hour? Well, where the hell am I going to find one hour in my crazy packed day? Yeah. Most people if can spare 10 minutes. Most people realize, yeah. okay, I, I can do 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so I think you give them a much more achievable, realistic expectation, then they're probably going to be more apt to do that, what you're asking them to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because ultimately the world would be better off if everyone could raise their physical baseline. So- yeah. Rather yes. than chasing their potential.
0: I agree. Raise the floor and not wonder what their ceiling is. Yeah. But let's elevate the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to have a low floor. Yeah. And that's unfortunately what we're seeing today is people are just way low, low, low floors. Yeah. You know, so let's raise that up and then see what we can do beyond that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big deal. That's a big thing. That's a great point right there. Yeah. So, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, hope you will enjoy the conversation. And uh, until next episode... Be good to each other. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also.
2: If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com.
0: And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45-minute class. Yes.